You're listening to Soul Knox Podcast, and this is uh, your host, Carl Icara, and this is episode number 30. And this week on the podcast, uh, my good friend Mike Hill, main man of the band's tombs and Scorpion Throne, as well as the podcast Necromaniacs, Everything Went Black, is uh, here, uh, join me to do a kind of special episode, um, something different from what we've been doing, um, which is basically we're talking about black metal in the first decade of 2000s, so from 2000 to 2010. Um, he gives his top 10 bands that formed in that time, and I give my top 10 albums from that time. Um, <clears throat> you know, albums that... Uh, came out in the time that had a huge impact on me and that uh, still still um, have a lot of meaning for me to this day. So that's what this episode is all about. Um, and um, yeah, it's another, you know, it's always great to do episodes of Mike. Um, our next one is going to be uh, covering the story in the Pines by Carl Edward Wagner, kind of back to our our usual programming for Eldritch Tales. We're very much looking forward to that episode. Um, yeah, it was great having him. Great talking about black metal in that time. It was the time that I got into black metal. You know, um, very formative era for me. And um, it was really... And just where I wanted to uh, kind of tribute that era of black metal... Uh, as I feel like, in a lot of ways, it's one of the most important because it's the one it's a time period that solidified black metal as a continually evolving, um, vital form of music. So, yeah, it's a great episode, and I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Before we get started, I am going to uh, to kick off. Uh, with uh, shouting out the Horsemen of the Podcast Apocalypse. So we got Mondays, uh, we got Horwolf 666 with Brandon Legion. On Tuesdays, we got Into the Necrosphere with Jackie Smith. On Wednesdays, we have Everything Went Black with Mike Hill. On uh, Thursdays, we have Necromaniacs with Mike Hill, Mike Scandado, and Jeff Kashid. And I should be doing an episode of Mike Scandado soon. I'm going to try to get Jeff on as well. Um, and then, intermittent times, you have Ableist Manifestations from Cheyenne of Trivax. So, uh, yeah, I um, go check everybody out, you know, follow everybody on Facebook, Instagram, and on your podcast app, give everybody five-star reviews, etc. You can follow me at uh, Denver Underground Radio or Carl Haikara, K-A-R-L-H-A-I-K-A-R-A on Instagram. And, uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoy this episode. I am going to uh, kick it off with um, one of the bands that shows up in uh, the list, and that's Leviathan. And, uh, yeah, we're going to uh, start off with um, the uh, first song on um, their uh, great album from... uh, um, what uh, what year was it? Two thousand eight, I think. Yeah, two thousand eight. Um, massive conspiracy against all life. We're gonna start off with the uh, first two songs in there: "Vesture Dipped in the Blood of Morning" and "Merging with Sword Onto Them." All right. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. 
And, uh, yeah, don't forget to hail Satan.
Yes, yeah, so recording now. The um, uh, I, what you're just saying, I think maybe bears re- repeating for the recording. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, totally, man. So um, so yeah, we we were just you know we've been we've been going back and forth about uh you know the the period of time 2000 to 2010, like that first decade of the 21st century, and how um, you know that's kind of like a a um, important time in black metal because when you go back in history and it's like the original uh you know germ of this idea of this style of music started with bands like bathory and hellhammer that you know venom even though venom basically coined the term black metal but they were a little bit more tongue-in-cheek you know i mean they weren't they had satanic imagery but they kind of weren't really subscribed to like uh a satanic or like kind of a cult ideology you know what i mean yeah and right. uh yeah so that was like kind of the, the the genesis of the style like sort of backing into it you know yeah then in the 90s the uh so-called uh second wave you know with the norwegian bands and scandinavian bands you know taking it to a different direction where where the ideology is uh more in the forefront and um you know, kind of architecting the sound of what black metal would follow. Uh, you know, that that period is like obviously important. But then, you know, at the dawn of the new millennium, like that first 10 year period is like where the the genre started expanding and sort of incorporating different, uh, you know, in, in a real legit way, different um, influences and geographically started spreading more to different countries and different parts of the world even though you know in the 90s there was a lot of bands that were not scandinavian that were making important records i think in the after the first of the new millennium that's when it became almost more um acceptable you know those bands their reach became more profound you know so this 10-year period is interesting you know and i think your your list is the list of um records that came in that period and the list that i came up with is bands that formed between 2000 and 2010 and those and those bands are taking influences from before and then adding their own sort of flavor to it and that's kind of what i was uh focusing on when i came up with my list and of course i you know i cited some records that i think are important by those bands that formed in that period right yeah one thing i was thinking about um that's part of like where i came up the idea for the show was i was thinking i mean maybe i'm biased because the this is the period that um you know i be uh came of age and got into black metal and this is like real like the real formative period of time for me like the records that came out and you know listening to old 90s stuff but then just it was very exciting time for a lot of these albums from both new bands and bands that started earlier or bands that started earlier, but didn't release albums until the two thousands, you know, like, and I think part of it too, is that um, when you look back at the time, like say the late nineties, um, I think that a lot of the genre was kind of, kind of uh, losing focus, you know, like you had bands like doing all kinds of weird stuff and maybe not in a good way, you know, like, uh kind of i think losing sight of 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 the genre and it i think there's a lot of people who maybe thought that uh it was genres on the way out 
But I think what happened instead was this period, early 2000s, is what solidified black metal as something that was here to stay. It's not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, totally. I agree with that completely. From this point on, it's like, you know, black metal is eternal now. You know, as far as, human, you know, people are around listening to this music, it's like, I don't, I think that if the bands that came out and the albums that came out in the 2000s didn't come out, I'd think that maybe black metal would have kind of petered out and maybe had like a new revival later on or something. But I think because you had this kind of influx of, of exciting things happening, I think it really, uh, you know, kick it, kick it up in gear. And there was a whole, you know, type of movement of bands kind of, um, bringing black metal back to its core, but then developing the sound at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, cause like, I would say that even, you know, the late nineties, early two thousands, like you either had like the symphonic black metal bands. Right. And then like yeah. right at the cusp of the millennium, it was either symphonic bands or bands that were completely like opposite that were just like repeating and ripping off dark throne. You know what I mean? Like, that seemed like that was like what was going on like right around the turn of millennium and then you had uh, this all these bands like we'll be talking about that came out that kind of really pushed a lot of pushed the envelope and and even with bands that were more orthodox in their sound like as far as like more traditional i think a lot of these albums just really like reinvigorated the the scene and everything and i think a lot of the a lot of the bands that came out at the time were kind of feeding off of that i mean that's when i started making black metal and stuff and it was like uh exciting time there's like a lot of cool bands out you know and a lot of cool albums coming out and it was like there's definitely a, a vibe you know in that time yeah well, i mean when the same thing like i feel like the same thing that could have happened to like hardcore and punk could have happened to black metal because you know in the beginning like punk rock music was very much about free freedom being able to express yourself and that sort of thing um and then it became like very rigid styles and very rigid ideologies and um you know uniforms and things like that and that's kind of how i feel about punk and hardcore and to me to me like those genres are kind of over with really in a lot of ways i mean that's not to say there aren't cool bands that come out that make that style of music but i just think that as like a, a quote-unquote movement you know it's over really you know or if it's you know, maybe for 13 years old, it's cool, you know, to be into like punk and hardcore, but it's like, you know, for, for once you get beyond, hit a certain point in your life, you know, you can't really adhere to rules anymore like that. And I think that the late nineties, um, you know, and, you know, obviously these are my opinions, you know, and I don't give a fuck if people disagree with me <laughs> or not or whatever. It's just how I feel about it. Yeah. Like, you know, you have to like have like a certain corpse paint and like, you got to sing about like, you know, Norse mythology or like Satan or something like that and have, you know, stark black and white album covers, you know, that, that sort of thing was like, yeah, that's cool. But like for after 10 years of the same shit, you need to like move on, you know, you need to do different things and expand your sound. And that's what I feel like happened in, uh, at the turn of the century where it's like, all right, cool. Things got played out. You know, there's all these like, you know, kind of symphonic bands, which that's not really my cup of tea, you know, but there was like a very mainstream direction that the seems like the style was taking, which is, you know, if you're into that, that's cool. But if you're not, it's not my thing. And then 2000 calendar changed. And it seems like all these bands 
formed during that period and some really important records came out and um and that really molded the direction i think that black metal is going like forward you know yeah it's like the uh the birthplace for what we have today you know like um and then both good and bad like because you also particularly towards the end of that period you started getting a lot of those like crappy atmospheric bands that you know like are like super boring but um which kind of dominated have dominated for a while too you know like but you also had all the great stuff coming out too that was like exciting and you know yeah like we had balls and stuff you know what i mean <laughs> no totally yeah you know and like a lot of the atmospheric stuff i, I really like you know i mean i think zaster is a cool band and yeah, yeah a, lot, a lot of that stuff was really cool but you know it's well what i mean yeah. is that that kind of like lame type of stuff where it's like calls itself atmospheric but it's really just like lazy riffs with like cruddy keyboards over it and stuff you know what i mean with no energy <laughs> well that that well, that was the danger of like you know like um production values being what they were on like early records and then suddenly it was like a green light for a bunch of you know dudes like hanging out in their basements with like four tracks but no talent you know what i mean it's not like like all those french uh les Ligion noir like those bands are you know very lo-fi but they have like cool riffs and cool ideas like musically and creatively you know? yeah exactly but that gave a green light for a bunch of dudes out there with no creative ideas <laughs> and, <laughs> you know what i mean so <laughs> yeah that that's kind of like one of the banes of of the black metal for a while for a while now has been just i can't tell you how many bands i've heard like that that's just like lackluster um kind of like energyless music where it's just like you know they're like oh well the riffs aren't that important because it's atmospheric whatever but i'm like even if you're making atmospheric black metal it still has to have good riffs i mean Saster has good riffs in his own yeah. style. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, can't, totally. Can't just play like two chords and put some like uh, kind of lame keyboards over it and call it atmospheric black metal. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. You know. But with that said about Saster, Saster uh, gets an honorable mention for I don't I don't that, that as much as I do enjoy Saster's music, it's it's still not in the same level I think as some of the other bands that I'm gonna I'm gonna name here yeah and uh yeah spoiler he's also an honorable mention in my my albums list as well so <laughs> yeah yeah um, but uh um i guess what you want to kick off i'll let, let you kick off your list first like with um your top 10 bands sure. that formed in the time so okay yeah so it's coming in at number 10 it's uh the amenta from uh you know australian band they yeah. formed in 2002 and um in two, 2021 their album revelator was like in my that was my number one album of the year actually you know but yeah yeah that that, that record's like some top level creativity and um but their 2001 record acasis is a really good very 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 strong start for a band's first album really so that that's a great album i don't know if you've heard that one yeah i um with the menta i I probably seen the name around stuff, but I didn't actually didn't get into them until um, Jackie was featuring them heavily, you know, on yeah. Necrosphere last year, you know, and had interviews with them and and um, you know was playing stuff from Revelator and everything. And then so I then I cycled back and went 
and checked out their earlier stuff as well. And that first album is really good. It's very definitely like I feel like the first album in particular is very uh, industrial black metal in the sense of like mysticum and that kind of stuff, but taking yeah. it to an like, extreme. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like kind of technical and progressive too. You know, that's and there's like all those Australian bands have their own take on it. You know, even going all the way back to uh, you know a band like Destroyer Six Six Six. Like you know that's an older band, but that D six 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 has like its own vibe. You know what I mean? It doesn't really sound like a European band. It's like uniquely like Australian in sound, I think, you know? Yeah. I think there's like a part to, um, Australian bands where <clears throat> I think it's just like the whole vibe of being, um, where they are and where they, you know, they're where they come from and their history. Like they're like, kind of like how we are in america but where you know we're all coming a lot of but more so where they're coming from more of this like european british background but then they're separated from that at the same time because they're probably more closer to their kind of british you know european side than we are here at this point you know what i mean but but then it's they have this like extra twist of they're from somewhere you know they're in a different part of the world than than you know everything's different from how it is here and stuff you know yeah, what I mean? man, totally i mean even even like other bands in our black metal i mean like the birthday party and you know cosmic psychos and uh lubricated goat and like all these other you know different bands like post-punk and like noise rock bands they all sound like they have like a very unique sound that kind of tags them as being from australia or like down under somewhere you know yeah and there's always also this kind of reckless quality to australian bands i noticed too like, oh, yeah. like it, whatever genre that even like say ACDC, even though they're not fully Australian, you know, like there's like just this like fucking ridiculous, like, um, yeah, like this kind of reckless energy that they have no matter what genre they're making, you know? <laughs> no, absolutely, man. Um, so yeah, moving up my list, I have um, Adraza from uh, Krakow, Poland, uh, 2009 is in, in, you know, according to the internet, that's when they formed Adraza. Yeah, and uh, the record that I focused on is uh, I'm going to probably butcher the t the name here because uh, you know Eastern European names for me, for me are hard to pronounce. So it's uh, yeah, uh, Zekrom came out in 2020. So that's like a more recent record by them. And, I'm not um, really familiar with them to be honest. Yeah, it's like it has like their music has like this very decadent like sound to it. You know what I mean? It's um. It's hard to describe. I mean, it's like, you know, it's similar to like what you would expect from like that Polish sound, but there's this, uh, this kind of decadent like vibe to it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. So, you know, that comes in at my number nine. Uh, there's, you know, probably there's a lot of Polish bands on this list, actually, a lot of Eastern European bands. Um, yeah. The early 2000s was like the real rise of, uh, poland do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah the rise yeah um, <laughs> so uh moving up the list i have aosoth which um unfortunately they're defunct now and they existed between uh 2002 and 2017 and uh you know they're out of paris france and uh france is always in my opinion has always had like a lot of really great bands to come out of that scene um yeah yeah and like 
the record that I've really dug by them is uh, Ashes of Angels, which came out in 20, 2009. And, uh, you know, they're, are you familiar with them? I mean, imagine you are. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Aosoth and and uh, um, Ashes of Angels is a great album. It didn't. Uh, it's in my it's my list of of albums to mention. So uh, oh, there nice. you go. <laughs> there you see, perfect man, perfect. Yeah. Um, it's not in the top ten, but it's in my uh, list of other bands. <laughs> yeah, they they just. Um, I, I love I, them. I got, I got they're they're one of the first like non Scandinavian bands that I really started checking out because like you know back all through the '90s I was. You know, I was into like mostly Scandinavian bands, Norwegian, Swedish bands. You know, I was aware of the, obviously there's American bands I liked, you know, like Absu and, you know, um, Goat Horse started around that time. You know, Vaughn, obviously, which is debatably the uh, the origin of uh, second wave uh, black metal. You know? They're one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, so um, when I started expanding and checking out other other countries, Offer offerings like Aosoth is one of the bands that I really you know kind of gravitated towards. Yeah, Aosoth, I think, are I mean, I mean, I love Anteus as well, and yeah. and Aosoth. I mean, I think that um, Aosoth just are just I think I think they're one of the bands that really push the genre in a really cool direction, and I think they're very like influential on so much of of the shape of that kind of dissonant, um, you know, occult type of black metal that's coming out, you know, it's like them and Dia Decibel Omega and stuff, you know, like they're, uh, but particularly Aosoft, like their sound, like there's, you know, a lot of bands coming in their footsteps, you know what I mean? So they definitely, uh, need to be in that list. Yeah. Now related, maybe in like a more in a creative way of an objectively creative way, but not by members, is uh the band Krigs Machine from Krakow. And uh Right. Yeah, now now that band I know shares members, I think, with Magua. Uh yeah. I think it's I think it's the same drummers in both bands. Now, if you look at Aosoth and you look at Krigs Machine, and you know, Krigs Machine's like technical, kind of more um, you know, progressive elements. Like they're in, you can tell those guys are into like playing, you know, it's not like just blasting and brutality it's like there's kind of like a um progressive element to that band even though it's like real evil sounding and brutal yeah and and for me if like when i listen to like newer bands that came out um i aosat's like atmospheric approach and like krieg's machines kind of like technical approach i feel like there's a lot of bands that kind of like have those two qualities about them and I, if i were to you know define modern the modern sound it, it's sort of i think these two bands are kind of like very instrumental in like the more modern sound of, of black metal i would agree i think i think um you can look at like yeah aosoth um Krieg's machine um uh like that's you know some decimal omega like um but yeah there's like uh, and then of course like i think the icelandic scene that came out and later on you know um was a big big part of pushing that as well like swarti dowdy and uh, sinmara and stuff you know so it's like definitely and that's like it's kind of like aosoft particularly you know at the end of this period that we're talking about i know they kind of set the late set the stage for i guess if like you know from 2010 to 2020 for that kind of the flower full blossom you know yeah, totally, totally. Um, 
And now uh, that this band, I did not discover these guys until maybe four or five years ago. And um, but they started in this period, and it's uh, Canadian Canada's Panzerfaust. They're kind of as when you were talking about Krieg's machine and stuff. Like I always think of Panzerfaust as kind of like goes hand in hand with them. <laughs> well, that that's kind of like why they're they're together on the list here. And and um, you know, they started uh, the you know the documentation I saw says they started in two thousand six. And uh, Panzerfaust, it's almost like you took all the stuff we were talking about before and like injected like neurosis and the swans into the mix. Yeah, and and especially their later material like the sons of perdition series which is up to chapter three now you know and yeah um, and that's like uh a super ambitious undertaking to tell a story over um a period of time like that and i i like that stuff to me is like you know it's like when i listen to neurosis you know it's the same kind of feel to me it's like very very much like this intentional narrative that's being displayed and uh you know, that that band I think is real powerful and I'm, I've never seen them perform live and you know hope to someday check them out yeah I think Panzerfaust is one of those bands that um and that's something that that can be pointed out at this period of time as well was that um I think like the influence of like neurosis you know like um and the swans is like huge on this whole period of time like you know and that might be part of like the fact of like neurosis doing all those big tours in the late 90s and like you know influencing more people like i think there's a lot of bands that came out of this period of time that have that influence of like neurosis and the swans and that type of stuff and i think um panzerfaust definitely carry that forward they definitely have that that feeling and it's kind of similar to neurosis where i re you know it's like you have to be in a kind of right mindset you know what i mean in your right mindset it's like the most perfect thing you know <laughs> yeah the interesting thing about neurosis and like you were mentioning like in the 90s neurosis were in, in some ways like i felt like they transitioned into being a metal band you know what i mean like like i i first heard neurosis they were like it was mostly punks that listened to them you know what i mean and um and like they were like they put those those first few records or punk records and then they started like not being metal but like kind of like in the like a, like in a swans neubauten you know uh, Savage Republic kind of feel, you know, they were coming at it from that angle and, you know, being on alternative tentacles in the beginning, it's that they, they never were really, they like your typical death metal dude didn't really know about the neurosis like in the early 90s. But then right. when they start, you know, when they were on relapse, it's funny when they signed a relapse, I was like, oh, this is interesting, you know, like they're on this like death metal label now. You know, it's kind of cool. Right. Because you know that was what Relapse was doing back in the nineties. It was like you know, like Incantation and you know Morgion and you know bands like that. You know, yeah. And um, you know, but that's when they started touring. They you know Pantera, like Ozfest. You know, uh, they toured with Sepultura. You know, and that's when they crossed over into the metal world. You know what I mean? And then that I know had to have some sort of effect on like, cause you know, cause they're such a creative force, you know? And you know, I, I know that not the typical Pantera fan really dug neurosis, but maybe like the peripheral people were into them. And then those are the people that I like to think formed really cool, like bands later on, you know, that. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, I guess kind of people who are like, 
you know, kids or something and went and saw Pantera and saw Neurosis and it laid that seed for like, you know, later on in this time period. Now they're now under, they're into extreme metal and they're, you know, bringing these influences into it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's almost like you, there's like two kinds of kids that would go to those shows. You know, it's like some kid would be like, oh, fuck this band. They're slow. Like they're boring. I hate them, whatever. You know, but then there was like the other kid who's like, oh, this is like expanding my mind. And like, I feel like this is like some new shit. And I feel like those are the kids who started bands, you know, like Panzerfaust and, you know, pushed, pushed the envelope within extreme music, you know? Yeah, I agree. And yeah, Neurosis, you know, they kind of slowly gained more. I think from that point on, they started gaining more, uh, more recognition. And, but it's funny the way I got into Neurosis was, um, uh, an interview with Alan from Primordial about when like the Gathering Wilderness came out. Right. He was talking about how much, like, you know, he loved Neurosis and it was a big inf- in- inspiration for him. Like, what was kind of like as they shifted their sound in that period. So I was like, I was like, oh, it sounds cool, Neurosis. And I went and checked out, you know, started getting their albums and everything, you know. Yeah. That would have been early 2000s. So, yeah, it kind of lines up, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, you know, Panzerfaust, I was, I, to me, it has the same energy, you know, it's like, through silver and blood or something like that you know but with like a darker tinge to it a darker flavor you know and a little bit more um narrative you know as opposed to emotion you know yeah and uh you know there's definitely been a lot of bands coming out trying to mix that neurosis sound with black metal and i think panzerfaust are one of the better ones to do it you know absolutely you know now uh moving up this is my number five band and we're going back down under uh the band ruins from tasmania from 2004 is when they formed and uh the record that i keep listening to to this day is called undercurrent and that came out in 2016 now have you um heard this band this is like one of the many bands that dave haley from psychroptic plays in yeah i checked them out because you uh you sent them to me like a while back and they're yeah. fucking sick yeah it's like just like the, according to uh metal you know the encyclopedia metallum they are still, uh, at, you know, technically active. They haven't put out any records since 2016, I think. But someday, I'm hoping for a new record by these guys. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, I, I think you know, once again, it's like this kind of um, just badass black metal um, along the lines of goat whore. Like a lot of it reminds me of like some goat whore, just like hard rocking you know catchy very catchy you know blackened uh metal yeah definitely is that kind of like catchy hard rocking uh i don't know it's like it has this like secret sauce of something like go hordas where it's like it's not like i'm not sure what the right term is for it you know what i mean but it's like it's got that rock and roll feel you know to certain extent but that crusty type of feel at the same time yeah exactly it's like you know similar to goat whore it's like like sammy writes those riffs that only he can write and uh the dude who plays guitar in ruins who what plays i'm assuming he writes the guitar riffs that that dude's got his own style you know what i mean and it feels like you know it's very distinct it's it's like catchy and deceptively simple you know what i mean and i don't know just that band is like a band that i always go back to and i always have a lot of uh hold hold them in very high regard 
Yeah, they're a great band. And Tasmania has some cool stuff. Like, uh, I'm not super familiar with everything from there, but there's one band called um, Nuclear Winter. That's actually came out in the early 2000s as well. That they have a really cool album that's like pretty hard to find. It's very underground shit, but um, it, they have like two albums that are really good. That also from Tasmania. And again, it has that crazy type of, you know, Australian feel. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah, totally, man. Like, you know, you can't reproduce that stuff, you know. Um, now, the uh, my number four is uh, from up in your neck of the woods. And another band that I hold in very high regard is Eclis. And, um, you know, they are Eclis. They started, I guess, in 2009. Yeah. And, um, Nas is also in that band, uh, Nightbringer, which is another great band. Yeah. But, uh, but Eclis is like the band for me that, um, especially that, uh, the record from 2020, that, uh, it's just creates this atmosphere of just darkness and it's like you're in this like limbic space between life and death when you're listening to that record. You know what I mean? This liminal space between these like two realms of consciousness. Like whenever I listen to that, I just feel like I'm between two worlds, you know? Well, yeah. And that's exactly the, the whole purpose. Like I know that, uh, Nas is like, um, told me it's like all about like the kind of liminal, liminal space. Like that's what Aquis is all about. And it's like, oh, really? That's fine. I just came up with that on the fly here. Cause I was thinking about what, how it makes me feel when I listen to it. Yeah. He's literally even said almost that exact same thing to me. Like we're, I remember we we're talking about, um, like this whole like you know, particularly this was recently when Skin Emmering came out. And we we're talking about that kind of liminal horror idea, and and like you know, he's talking about that. Uh, it's like one of the things that he's trying to do with Aquis, like is have that kind of liminal, nightmarish feeling. You know what I mean? So I yeah, it's you- it's um you know that record came out in twenty twenty, so that was right at the beginning of this like incredibly bad time in my life, and I mean a lot of people had a really hard time from 2020 on but yeah you know this like very um there's the period that period within that period of time you know there was a lot of loss in my life and also i thought that i had died and i was actually in some nightmarish (laughs) nether realm right and this record was something i listened to during that period and um and it spoke to me like in those terms you know what i mean and uh and it's funny you mentioned Skinnamarink because, like, I this when I'm not sure when this episode's coming out, but um, this coming week is the Necromaniacs episode on that movie that um, you know Skinnamarink and the three of us actually got together to do it, and uh, that's exactly how I I registered that film as it being like a, a death occurring and this existence in this like liminal space like the Bordeaux, you know area yeah between life and death that's how i i I read it that way i mean i don't know if that's the way the uh, filmmaker intended it but all these things to me are very fascinating uh subjects and uh so yeah so that record is like super important to me you know yeah that and i'm sure that with with that movie like you can um it's pretty open to interpretation, you know what I mean? I think the director is trying to create this vibe, this liminal horror feeling, and how people, you know, take it is 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 up to them in a way. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you know, you know what though? Honestly, it's like I I saw it in a movie theater, 
And then, um, and that was great. You know, that's how I wanted to see it. You know, had a short theatrical run. Actually, I think it's still in the theaters, maybe in some places. But, I, you know, I went to the Late Show. I like to go to the movies by myself on Friday nights, usually. Um, there's a 10 o'clock showing, which is the last showing at the theater near me. And that's the one that hardly any, it's usually the one before that super crowded. And then that's the one where no, no one, every, it's empty, you know. Right. And I went to this one by myself and uh, just kind of sunk into the whole vibe of the movie. And, uh, you know, I, I got home later and kind of unpacking what I thought about it. And then now it's on Shutter, right? So I watched it again. And the movie is surprisingly linear. You know what I mean? Like there's um, the second viewing, I think, of that film. I think I was able to pick out like a more deliberate narrative. And uh, I don't know, it's really interesting, man. You know, have you seen it yet? I need to watch it. Yeah. yeah. Now it's on, on Shudder. I, I had watched the Exorcist movies for our episodes and doing for that now. So I'm nice. going to watch Skin and Rink here soon too. Yeah. I'm interested to hear what you think about it, honestly. You know, it's, um, it's definitely, uh, not as mysterious as some people make it out to be. So I want to hear what right. you have to say about it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to get, watching. I wish I could have saw it in the theaters, but I just said yeah, we, we ended up getting like a foot of snow and stuff the night I was oh, going to yeah. go. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm not going. But yeah, yeah. The, I think um, definitely relevant to Aklisto because I know he's a big fan of that movie. Yeah. And uh, and I felt I was like telling him, I was like, I bet this the movie's like probably good inspiration for your for your uh, new album you know like <laughs> like it's Oculus. and i think that um yeah i mean obviously he came from nightbringer which was earlier in the 2000s and that was the first band that i ever i came across that was also operating in colorado and then um i went to like the gathering of shadows and stuff they had here in den in colorado like these like festivals out, out in the woods and shit you know it was pretty yeah. cool no, totally. But um, yeah, I'm a big fan of. Uh, I think Aklis is like the the best thing he's done. That one and Aratos. That's my other favorite. Is the Aratos album? That one's awesome too. And uh, I mean, I, I was actually tempted to put all three of these those those bands in this list, but I didn't want to. You know, I wanted I had to be like reasonable, and I was like, well, Aklis is the most important one to me, honestly. I also and, really uh, like the Bestia Arcana um, band that he has as well. That one's sick too. I've, I've only dabbled with that you know yeah that's a good one yeah i mean yeah. it can kind of be like one space for all of them so <laughs> yeah um so moving along a very important band and this band is like soup we're getting into the top three now so these are like the heavy hitters here you know real heavy hitters right you can see this band's influence on a lot of bands that came out in the de the following decade so of course i'm talking about magua uh, another Polish band, yeah, formed in uh, 2005, and uh, there are actually a few bands out there that I'm not going to name that um, are American that, in some ways, I feel like lifted their entire thing from this band. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm trying. You know, everyone's I'm cool, you know, with everybody. You know, everyone does their thing, but um, this band has had a huge impact on a lot of different bands, and uh, you know, it's. It's obvious, let's say. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's pretty funny. Like, I know, I know pretty much none of the bands you're talking about. So, <laughs> yeah, and it's like, uh, and even in Europe too. I mean, and and Poland as well. Like, I mean, there's just a lot of bands coming out where 
it's very clear like you're very influenced by mcguire you know what i mean <laughs> oh yeah totally and you know now the theme though in the first this first decade of the 21st century i feel like the same way like scandinavians like were the huge impact in like the, the 90s i feel like eastern europe was like a massive impact on this on the genre in the first decade of uh the 21st century yeah i would agree i mean even to, if you look at say like the rise and dominance of like um say behemoth or something had it yeah. in this time period or a lot of bands i think behemoth and then i think vader got more popular in this time as well you know vader had obviously been around since 83 or whatever but yeah yeah totally. i think i think they kind of grew in more popular in this time and i think those i think probably a lot of bands seeing in in eastern europe seeing like success of like behemoth and stuff probably definitely fueled a lot of bands coming out like for that success as well and then and then again with miguel of like the success they've had um over the years and i think it's crazy because i remember remember hearing miguel like when they first came out i remember um hearing like their first ep and then like their tracks that they had on that crushing the holy trinity split that that yeah. northern heritage did and um being i mean i i, I really loved those early miguel albums a lot because they really captured this type of feeling of a certain type of black metal you know what i mean and and i thought it was cool following them you know basically from the start it's like their way that they've developed their sound but i don't really ever feel like they've you know completely like changed their sound you know what i mean no not at all i mean maybe the production's gotten a little bit better on some of the re later records but but uh the like two and three uh three and two the next one are like both from that same region of the world and in they both i believe kind of heralded like the uh influence of different styles you know almost like a post-punk kind of vibe but but like post-punk in the sense that it's not softer but there's melody and it still has like this like harder edge to it and uh so you know moving on from mcguire like drutka you know formed 2020 you know it's 2003 you know ukrainian yeah the melody all right the melodic elements of that band and mcguire both bands brought so much melody into the style yet the music is still has this power to it you know what i mean yeah drutka is definitely another band i followed since they started like i remember getting forgotten legends and just being blown away i still like one of my favorite albums and um yeah like it's been great following their career and it's been particularly great to seeing i mean i think the last three albums that they've released have been probably their best you know yeah I mean? no, absolutely man you know i mean i'm I'm just a fan of roman sanko in general i mean there's um he has a band windswept uh of course uh hate forest you know hate forest is like a little bit more brutal and uh you know more quote-unquote extreme i guess in some ways uh, yeah. but but the melody like eternal turn of the wheel and a uh, handful of stars like those records i think are fucking brilliant man and uh it's just it's a different take on the style you know there's a lot of clean guitars on it it's um very melodic it's like uh you know some people even said it sounds like quote unquote like post rock or whatever but i mean i don't see that but some people have used that term to describe the music you know I can only album that there's I see that as handful of stars and has yeah, a little that, bit more of that. Like, yeah, that record particularly, yeah. But uh, yeah, in general I don't I never really felt like aside from that album I never really felt they had that po 
post-rock, post-metal sound. It was more like... Um, and it's funny because he did that, and then he also did the Old Silver Key around the same time with right. uh, with Need from Alcest. And they're both, I think, both kind of similar where they're exploring, I, I feel like more of like a shoegaze, like um, post-punk type of elements in the sound at that time. And then, then he kind of went back to basics with Eternal Turn of the Wheel, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, definitely, yeah. And now my number one, uh, I mean, and like, this is like somebody that I have like, the highest respect for as a creative force and um so my number one is leviathan you know and uh jeff whitehead uh aka rest i think is at least in the united states the single most important contributor to this this to black model you know and um i have like you know leviathan has been like a huge influence on me personally um you know, Whitehead's music, even, you know, with um Lurker of Chalice and and Leviathan have had a major impact on the type the way that I look at creating music and the way that I write music and sort of the things I want to say with my music, you know, it's like and specifically uh massive conspiracy against all life. I mean, two thousand eight, that title says it all, man. You know, it's like this uh obvious uh nod to thomas legati i imagine <laughs> um yeah i definitely think so you know and it's just like this fucking dark nihilistic slab of just emptiness man you know and i i just love that record and it's um important and you can see the 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 markings of this record on a, a lot of bands that have come since then you know so that's like you know, that record is like the apex, I believe, of all of the Leviathan output, you know. Yeah, I think um uh Leviathan like uh definitely probably uh you know, one of the most important American bands. You know, I think I think when I think out of all the you know, that kind of group of bands that formed around that time like Knocked Misty M, Zaster, Leviathan, Krieg I guess Krieg was a little bit before them because he he started more in the nineties. Yeah, but um, but you know, like the, um, you know, but they were all kind of like friends or whatever. But I think uh, particularly that that group that came out in early two thousands, like Zastro, Leviathan, and um, Knock Misty Mall and stuff. I think that uh, Leviathan's the you know the best, and I think he had the most huge impact upon the few you know the way the American black metal. You know, it's like I feel like in the way American black metal has developed since that period, um, the two most dominant camps are pretty much like people coming from like Leviathan or people coming from like Wolves in the Throne Room. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. You know, but yeah, yeah, Leviathan just had like such a nihilistic thing, you know, and I think that's like when you look at black metal in general, even from like kind of like a philosophical standpoint, you know, of course there's like, you know, the satanic approach, there's like, you know, pagan there's, but for, for me, uh, like on a personal ideology, there's like, it's like not so much about like a theistic, uh, you know, philosophy, you know, it's more just about darkness, you know, and, and the abyss and stuff like that, you know, and just like the, uh, you know, humanity is like, just like this, illusion you know like the con consciousness illusion and that that's the feelings i i get when i listen to to leviathan yeah i think uh 
always said that I think the the underlying primarily thing that goes that should go through all black metal is the kind of darkness and the outward form of that can take on be it satanic or you know if you're making pagan black metal it has to have that dark feeling as well but I think the purest some of the purest forms of black metal are the ones that just have this nihilistic dark anti-human anti-life type of energy and Leviathan capture that perfectly <laughs> yeah absolutely so you know yeah, I think like that list of bands, at least from my standpoint, are, um, you know, to me, for on a person, like once again, this is just a personal list. This is what's the most important stuff to come out in that first decade of uh, the new uh, new century, you know? Right, yeah. <clears throat> and I think, but they're all great bands and, you know, obviously uh, both our lists are like a, a personal in the sense of like yeah what made the impact what's made the impact on both on us you know what i mean like it's like my list of albums is primarily it's primarily coming from my own personal feelings of stuff that made an impact on me and then um and then yeah and then i have like a bunch of albums to mention after i'll say a few things about each one and and some and some of those are both personal, and some of them are also albums I felt like need to be mentioned because I just know the impact they had on not only myself but um a lot of people that I know. You know what I mean? Like yeah, like uh, uh, a lot of my friends who were also doing black metal in the early two thousands and stuff. You know what I mean? Now I'm assuming that there are some bands on on this list that are like you know that's formed prior to two thousand two, right? yeah uh my list is um i have bands that were you know some of them were formed in the nine you know a lot of them were formed in the 90s some of them were bands that i don't think really gained prominence until the early 2000s you know like or um there's some of the bands didn't really start releasing you know they maybe formed in the 90s but didn't start releasing music until the 2000s and yeah um it's not you know uh, most of these there's only a couple of them that were like you know from the early 90s and then released albums in the 2000s like most of them are bands that that really came to prominence in the early 2000s you know what i mean sure so there's there's a i think what a couple that were actually formed in the early 90s and you know released stuff in the 90s and then released great albums kind of had had a second wind in the 2000s you know but um so yeah I'm gonna number ten is um Erg Hall through Thick Fog Till Death. And uh the reason I picked that one, I had I was really had a hard time trying to choose the tenth tenth spot. Like I had a, a few band few things like that were vying for that spot. I ended up going for this one because um Erg Hall are like uh you know, they started in the early nineties and, and stuff, but they really didn't come to I mean their whole thing until like the early 2000s like with this album and with goatcraft torment in particular and um for me when it comes to a certain type of black metal this is like one of those one of the perfect black metal albums like the the feeling the production the riffs everything it has a dark anti-human type of feeling you know what i mean like there's a certain type of norwegian and not just norwegian but a certain type of black metal that vibe that i really uh and vibe with and this album is one of those and it's been one that i returned to you know like over and over and over again since 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 that time since the early 2000s you know right on i don't know if you've ever have you listened to Urkel no, I, much? I, I i have to now 
You know, now this yeah. is, is going to be on my, <laughs> on my list. Yeah, through thick fog till death. That's that one and Go Craft Torment, my favorites. But um, yeah, the, the production's great. The riffs are great. It's, you know, it's they're definitely on the more aggressive side of of stuff, but they still got this dark atmosphere at the same time, and they know how to mix it. So there's like aggressive songs and slower, more atmospheric songs, and it just got this grimy fucking evil feeling. You know what I mean? Um, so number nine, I have uh. Uh, Behexen with My Soul for His Glory. Oh, yeah, man. That's that's sick. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. Like, Behexen, uh, I mean, uh, I first took, got into them with their album before this one, By the Blessings of Satan, which came out, I think, like 2004 or something. And um, and I like that album a lot. It's a great album. But um, what really cement, started cementing Behexen for me was this album uh, in 2008. And uh, basically, ever since it came out, it's been uh on my on my playlist you know it was something i listen to all the time the production the riffs the feeling the vibe of it is another one is ones that's like kind of perfect to me you know like and behexen only outdid themselves with their next two of nightside emanations and poisonous path like those are even better than this one you know yeah that, behexen's awesome man. they're they're a band i listen to quite a bit actually they're one of my favorite uh like I like a lot of Finnish bands, but that, they're probably one of my favorites. And and I would say like this area was a really good one for Finnish black metal as well. There's some that I I'm mentioning in the uh, in honorable mentions, you know. But some of those ones that are in honorable mentions, I feel like got released their best albums like later on. You know what I mean? Right. But you know they still released some good albums in this time period. But um, yeah. The I think that this one. Uh, I don't know. It's just a fucking great album. I I just love the the type of type of black metal that they're doing. You know what I mean? Um, what was I gonna? I had a thought for a second. I was gonna look something. Uh, okay, whatever. <laughs> I was gonna check a date <laughs> on something and I like <laughs> forgot. Uh, so my number eight is um, Marduk uh, Rom five twelve. Oh yeah, and this is on his bands that you know, dude, you know, came out in the '90s that released amazing fucking albums in the '90s, and then had and then with the release of their album before this, Plague Angel, they got like a second wind, you know what I mean? And getting uh, Arioch from Funeral Mist and and um, uh, this one is probably this one is my favorite out of. I mean, I love um, uh. Warmwood and I love uh, Serpent Sermon as well and everything, but there's something really special about Rom Five Twelve. Like, it, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, that's it, a sick one. Yeah, and the the and you have like the album and you look at the booklet and all the artwork. It's just so atmospheric. Like you really feel this like death feeling. You know what I mean? Like the whole thing is all about like um, the vanity of man and and you know we're all gonna just like turn to dust. Like very nihilistic and you know. Uh, very misanthropic and nihilistic, and just has this amazing feeling, you know. Well, I, I prefer that lyrical approach over like just the straight up like like war stuff. You know what I mean? Like the war stuff's cool and it's interesting, but like like the more atmospheric approach is like you know just about darkness and nihilism in general is more the kind of thing that I'm into, really. Yeah, and with Marduk, I, I like. There are stuff that's more like this kind of nihilistic feeling, or there's stuff that's more like satanic. 
Um, I like their war albums okay, but they're not the ones that I, I turn to, you know, yeah. as much as the other stuff. And um, and then this uh, this album also has a really great um, collaboration with Alan Averill from Primordial. Yeah. And um, Primordial band that aren't on my list because I've, even though The Gathering Wilderness is my favorite albums of all time, just because they don't, they're not strictly black metal. I wanted to keep this list more strictly sure. kind of black metal, you know what I mean? But yeah, I love the fucking accuser opposer song that they do together. It's great. Um, so number seven on my list is Leviathan. And uh, for me, uh, the one that really made the biggest mark for me was the 10th sublevel of Suicide. Yeah. That was the one that got me into Leviathan. And and um, I don't know. It's just, I mean, I love Massive Conspiracy as well. I do think it's probably on... Uh, some levels a better album, but there's just something really special about this out like temp sub level. You know, it's, it's really fucking creepy, you know, and has like, uh, it's really horrific feeling in a lot of ways. And it has this great, like, uh, atmosphere to it. And I like the way the riffs kind of retain this kind of, uh, they're still like really like rooted in second wave in a way, but he's pushing it so much. So, further into this abyssic void energy you know what i mean i just i can't get enough of this album it's always been my favorite leviathan album yeah it's it's um that you know that that's a fine record man like like there's the, the, the problem is there's so much material out there that between all the demos and and full lengths and eps and splits and stuff like that that it's hard to really pick out like what's like your favorite i mean cons massive conspiracy is my favorite by far but i have like all all the whole body of work that he's done including lurker of chalice is uh is so important to me man and also just the fact of how he produced all this stuff by himself is inspirational to me you know and it's like kind of molded the way that i work and approach creativity you know it's like you think about all the incredible stuff this guy's done just alone you know yeah i think he definitely had a uh forward step on that because he's an amazing drummer you yeah, know what i mean yeah, i yep, think definitely. that fact alone like opens up the door for him to do like whatever because he doesn't need anybody he's like a, unless he wants to play live because he's like a fuck you know he's like one of the best drummers in american black metal you know what i mean <laughs> sure yeah yeah but but i mean it's incredible that he as good of a drummer as he is he also writes insane you know insanely great riffs too you know, yeah definitely and, songwriting um, songwriting's great with leviathan yeah songwriting is killer and i think maybe part of that too is he you know he spent time doing you know all these demos and stuff and and i think he kind of refined his sound to the point that you know when you get to 10 sub level coming out you know it's like he's kind of perfected everything he's kind of taken the best songs off all the demos and put it together and you know like and I know that he had a demo called Temp Subtle Suicide as well, but it's kind of different because I've listened to both, you know. It's definitely uh, different. There's different songs and stuff. But uh, I just think that this fucking... I love, too, like, the the atmosphere. Like, the the way that... One thing I always loved about Leviathan is the way that the, there's the black metal, and sometimes it's even pretty, like, old school, like, you know, like, fucking your chains, your ghost and chains and stuff like that that's got this kind of, like... Uh, almost like Carpathian forest type of feeling to sure. it or something. And then, and then, uh, then it's like dissolving into like this abyssic, like drone music and stuff. You know what I mean? It's just so cool. Big inspiration for me as well. Like that kind of uh, feeling that he's doing.
Um, so my number six is uh, Unscapped. And um, the one I... It's, they're a band that, that uh, had to try to think about the... Uh, which album because they got a couple like really great they got their first two albums are both like really great but i decided to go with their first one which is called draco sit mihi ducks and um that's mostly because the atmosphere of it is incredible and i i put this on the list because i'll you know have some uh, mentions for some of the other bands in this whole scene but they're like there was a whole orthodox black metal movement you know in the early 2000s and right. uh those, you know, I think that's one of the most single most important part things in black, like to happen with black metal was all these bands that kind of came together, uh, centered on like Norma Evangelum de Bali and everything. And um, the way part of that's because they kind of re- like returned the genre kind of to its core, like spiritually in a way, but then pushed it forward. Like every one of those bands is different, right? But there was this kind of side of it where it was like um uh there was like you know a set of bands strictly from sweden that kind of developed this particular type of orthodox black metal sound with like the minor chords and everything and it's like real dark like cathedral energy to it and everything and i think the unscapped album this the first unscapped album is like a perfect representation of of that in the sense of like it has that the mysterious dom satanas type of feeling but it's kind of slowed down. It's a little bit more darker and creepier and has this kind of like evil, like, um, corgi type of feeling. I don't know. It's like this kind of like feeling of like an evil priest or something, you know, like uh, <laughs> yeah. a priest of Satan, like doing like uh, some type of black mass or something. Like it just has this type of type of energy to it, like lots of reverb and dark atmosphere, you know? And so, I mean, their second one, Dolden's Evangelium is also a great album. Uh, it's a little bit, a little bit, um, songwriting is a little bit, uh, tightened up in the sense of like the first album is a bit more sprawling with the, with the atmospheric side of it. But, you know, both these albums are fucking essential and their, their later two albums are great too. So I'm not, I'm not familiar with them, man. I need to check this out for sure. On Skep, yeah, dude, I think you really like them. Like, and they're, they're one of those bands that I think was very influential upon the formation of like a lot of the stuff that's coming out today and a lot of the icelandic scene and stuff like that so uh i really like that album so definitely recommended um so number five is a band that started in the 90s but didn't release albums until till the 2000s and that's um suitor oh yeah yeah and uh the album is desert northern desert northern hell and it's kind of a funny thing because this um with suitor like uh this album was a it was hit like really like one of my favorites when it came out and it's just kind of stuck with me over the years like i just they're one of those bands i just keep going back to like i want to listen to some black metal i put on suitor you know what i mean like they're just kind of one of those go-to bands for me and um I, this album is definitely their best overall i would say um but i mean their newer ones are good too but uh you know i think particularly in the early 2000s when like suitor and erg hall and carpathian forest were really releasing a lot of albums they were kind of some of the bands that were like um keeping the norwegian thing aflame you know what i mean like uh and nowadays i mean norwegian black metal is really strong you know what i mean again but definitely there was that period in the late 90s early 2000s before all these albums started coming out where 
there, you know, I feel like the Norwegian scene kind of lost its way a little bit. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. No, it's understandable. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, Cedar is like higher up on it for me just because it's one that um, I don't know. Like I, I go back to it so much. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm jamming this album a lot. <laughs> I, I love the kind of uh, I don't know. I kind of like a lot of some of the more some of the stuff is kind of aggressive but still atmospheric. You know. Yeah, Shooter's great, man. Like they they played at St. Vitus, man. And I, I was out of town when they when they played. So that was like a really great opportunity to see them play like in a small venue like that. You know, but I was not not in town at the time. Yeah, um, yeah, I brought you don't get too many uh chances to see like them in the United States, that's for sure. <laughs> no, 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 definitely not. But I mean I know that they've been working on like a new album for a while now, but you know, they they're kinda they kind of like, <coughs> sorry, they kind of release, you know, have a weird schedule of, of release, of releasing stuff. They'll release like things together and then they'll like wait like a long time to release a new album, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, my number four is uh hate forest with purity. Yeah, dude. And, uh, when it comes to early two thousands, black metal, like, uh, in particular, like, Hate Forest were one of those bands. Like I remember, my friend Chris sent me um, uh, Battlefields and and uh, Scythia, like, and uh, that's what got me into Hate Forest. But and I, you know, I got I got I have a lot of their stuff on tape because that's back when I ordered a lot of tapes from like underground distros and stuff. And um, and I had a really hard time like deciding, okay, which which Hate Forest album because I they need to be on this list. Like, which one should I put on? Like, because they're all great. You know what I mean? But I kind of landed on purity because it's usually it's one of my favorites, and um, I think it's a really good uh, album that has like everything that they do, you know, because because they sometimes do that thing like where Battlefields is like more slower and almost has these kind of like weird industrial beats and stuff on it, and yeah, it's kind of more like Doom feeling. Whereas like Sorrow is like entirely just blast beats throughout. It's like they're like transcending hunger, you know. Right, right. I was like, Purity is like a really good like in between album where they got some slower songs, they got the faster, and then I really like the way that they use these kind of droning keyboard parts throughout some of the songs where they'll have this like droning keyboard going on, and then the black metal like blasts in, and then the black metal will kind of fade out, and then there's like this droning keyboard and stuff, you know. Uh, Once again, man, like you know, Roman Sienko is like fucking brilliant, man. You know. Yeah, he's a brilliant fucking musician. He's a brilliant, um, like, uh, brilliant um, songwriter, you know? And and the thing about Hate Forest that makes them so special to me is that they have this vibe that is very, very sinister. You know what I mean? Like, throughout all their albums, it has this sinister feeling, but then it's also, like, kind of has this nature feeling too. It's kind of like walking in the forest in the middle of the winter when everything's frozen and you could die or something, you know what I mean? You're being hunted by some, some thing that's trying to hunt you or something. I don't know. It's like, that's the feeling. Yeah. Dude. Hate forest. <laughs> it's like, it's like one of the things about nature. It's funny. You bring that up is because, um, you know, I've been reading, uh, a lot of that, uh, you know, I have that Carla Wood Wagner, uh, book, uh, in a lonely place, you know, the horror stories. Yeah. And, uh, not so much the stories in there, but there's some stories that take place in the woods, you know, and uh, there's one particular called in the pines. And it makes me think of like a Jack, like 
Jack London in a lot of ways. And um, I have never experienced nature that way. Like I, you know, I'm a pretty urban like dude, really. You know, what I, mean? like, I, live, I live like I don't live in the woods. You know, what I mean, I live mostly in cities in my life. But I've been, you know, I've driven through parts of Canada on tour and like, you know, but I've never experienced nature in the way that Jack London has, you know, but I think about that a lot where, you know, there's this civilized ideology of like, oh yeah, we idealize nature as being this peaceful and you know, harmonious place. But like the reality is that it's like the hunted and the, and the hunters, you know, it's like the predator and prey relationship is like a daily constant environment, you know, there. And that's like the juxtaposition of death and beauty, you know, and that's kind of like what you, I like that you brought that up about hate forest because that's kind of how I feel about hate forest as well. Yeah, it's kind of like that, um, uh, like Anton Ovesa, like the Lex Talonis or whatever. You know, it's like the law of the Talon. And yeah, uh, yeah, that's 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 nature itself. It's beautiful, but then there's death working at every corner. You know what I mean? And yeah, I was always like, and maybe this is partly too because when I got in hate forest, I was living in the mountains and would be going hiking like almost every day i was like spending a lot of time in nature and l- listening to their music and listening to drutka and the nature nature and the woods and you know going getting lost like listening to cities at bands and um i just really imprinted like like i feel like his music's very rooted in like nature in a lot of ways and um and like uh, hate forest it's like you could almost say like this like drutka is the more beautiful side of nature where hate forest is the dark feral wild side of nature you know what i mean like i mean their first album like skithia starts with like uh wolves howling and stuff you know what i mean it has this feral like uh blood you know blood feeling you know what i mean like it's just uh and they definitely really remind like anytime it's like really cold you know like 10 degrees or something outside and everything's covered in frost and snow they're one of the bands i always listen to <laughs> no totally man it's appropriate for that yeah yeah it's like cold sinister nature feeling i, I just love it it's perfect um our number three is a, a band was like marduk which came out in the 90s and kind of i feel like had a second win in the early 2000s that was a uh, gorgoroth and uh basically my it's kind of like hard for me to choose between these two albums, but uh, I went on the side of Insipid Satan. Oh, yeah. But it's hard yeah. for me to choose between that and Ad Majorum, Satanus Corium, because I feel like they're both like perfect albums. You know what I mean? But uh, Insipid Satan just always has like been one of my favorites by Gorgoroth, and so it kind of won out. But this is almost like you could almost say this is like a dual number three for both those albums. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. And I, I know that you and Jackie did a whole episode of. Uh, was it Metal yeah. Matters about Ad Yeah, Ad, Ad, Ad That that's my favorite, um, you know, uh, Gorgoroth record, and uh, you know that 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 would be something I would pick for for this period as well. Yeah, the um, I just feel like the the in you know I I mean obviously like Gorgoroth released three you know four great albums you know leading up to Gaul joining the band you know and in their kind of style, but. I feel like Gaul joining and everything and the release of uh, Incipit Satan just was like game changer. You know what I mean? Like they're doing um, something like pretty different and, um, and, 
and between this one, Tide Idols, and uh, and um, Ad Majorum, it's just like this trinity of like amazing albums that you know I think push the genre in a in a in a new direction at the same time. You know what I mean? And I think the thing that I love most about these albums is that um, there's no there's no fat wasted. They're both like they're all three like thirty minute albums, and they got so much going on in them. You know what I mean? Like. I mean, I feel like Gorgroth at their best, like in a three minute song are both like ripping your face off, but then they'll have like these little like elements of kind of avant-garde elements that are just kind of laced in there. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. Yeah. And yeah, this is like, these records are, I mean, especially Ad Majorum is like, there's like this death metal, like more death metal style riffing on those records too, which I, I, I like a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think they, they really had this kind of, um, a lot of it had this kind of um, abstract type of dissonant quality at times, and um, but then is also really intense. Like they're really, really intense albums, and you know, like, and then I like the fact that they also have these kind of slower, more atmospheric tracks as well. You yeah. know what I mean? That that really have this like moody feeling, and and um, I really love. Gall's vocals on these albums and I love his lyrics particularly particularly on Ad Majorum is like the lyrics like sign of open eye and stuff is like really cool you know what I mean when you start like kind of understanding what he's saying and you understand like the type of spirituality behind what he's talking about is very you know it has like a lot of depth to it you know what I mean sure absolutely so yeah I mean I just think that I think that you know there's a lot of black metal guys out there that fall in one of two camps and it's either you like the this era or they hate it and they only listen to the first three albums you know what i mean like and i think that is like kind of limiting yourself to only listen to the first three i've always been a big big backer and supporter of uh the gall era gorgoth you know what i mean i think that it's great you know yeah i mean i think that that's definitely like like the, the you know the high point of the band really is when he was in it yeah i mean ever since all that stuff went down and he left like I mean, fucking that Quantos album is pretty, pretty terrible, and so is the Instinct of Bestialis or whatever. Like they're they're not they're not that good, you know what I mean? Like, and I could I could say that up to a certain point, like before all that stuff went down and Gall left, like Gorgoth was my favorite black metal band. You know, I'd listen for the whole career, but in particular for those la those last three albums with Gall. You know, just sure. like they were so important to me, I listened to them so much, like. And they were on his bands that they never released a bad album, in my opinion. And then, then all stuff went down. Aries Quantos was pretty like, man, it sucks, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's like it's like he took all the good ideas with him when he left, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and sucked. Um, so my number two is uh, one of my favorite bands of all time. Another band that started in the '90s, but I think came to their full like powers in the 2000s, and that's Bluedal Snored. Oh yeah, dude. Totally. And um. The album I picked was the work was Transforms God, and that's that was the first one I heard. Um, I remember I was on like that was back when I still used like message boards or something, and um, somebody posted, you know, like recommend they posted like the song Axis off of this, and I checked it out and I was like blown away. And of course, I ordered the album. It has like the two disc one that has like the EP with it as well. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, just from that point on, man, it's like the Budas Nordo, like, you know, I got that album, I got Mystical Beast of Rebellion, and then I checked out their earlier stuff, like uh, Ultima Thule and um, 
Um, Odinist. Well, uh, yeah, that was a little bit later, but uh, what's the second? Memoir of Estuta is the second album. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But then from that point on, I just followed the band. I mean, I remember getting um, Mort and Odinist and, you know, everything since then. And it's just been, uh, you know, they're they're like one of my favorite. If I had to put a list of favorite black metal bands, they're up there. You know what I mean? They're like pretty high up. Like, And um, I think the thing that I love the most about this album is, again, is kind of a, a one of the things that I love is is bands mixing this kind of dark ambience and stuff with black metal. And then the other thing that I really resonated with, with Blue Dolls Nord is, I mean, before I got into black metal, I was a big fan of industrial and, um, and, you know, like Godflesh, like I'd heard street cleaner and stuff like sure. that. Oh, and yeah. So, so when I heard Blue Dolls Nord, I was like, instantly it was like, I get what he's doing. He's like taking like Godflesh and, you know, this industrial stuff, but he's mixing it like seamlessly with black metal. You know what I mean? It's no the work work was uh the first Blue Dowse Nord record I heard too. And um, you know, similar similarly, I, I'm a huge Godflesh and just industrial fan in general. Like electronic music is uh yeah, a lot of that stuff I've for you know, for years prior I've been really big into that. And uh I specifically remember I have a lot of memories about this record, um, because at the time Around the time that I got into it, I was living in this uh, pretty dangerous neighborhood in Brooklyn with uh, me and my drummer from my old band and uh, one other guy, this dude Hunter, who actually filled in in my old in tombs once, actually on bass. And uh, and he he was the message board guy. Like he was like he's like the super tech dude. And uh, I didn't really fuck around too much on message boards, but like Hunter was the guy who like was downloading like mad records and you know had everything and was a, really aware of a bunch of stuff and he's the one who actually turned me on to uh, lurker chalice too right and and he had this record he played it for me and um and i was like totally blew my mind when i heard just the sounds on that record you know and this kind of leads into something we were talking about earlier about just danger and and um death and the juxtaposition of things and darkness and uh and how i was describing how like i'm more from an urban environment and so like the wilderness is not necessarily something that i'm um you know it's if if i were to you know say like teams puts out an album and we're standing in the woods or something like that you know that's disingenuous because that's not really your environment yeah (laughs) that's not the environment but if we're in some dangerous bleak street somewhere that's probably more our environment than the woods but the two things are similar in some ways and especially around the time i started listening to this record you know it was the time of the ipod you know so i'd had this stuff in my ipod all the time walking to and from the train or like going to um you know there was at that time in that area there was like tons of lofts that were having shows all the time so like you know weird noise shows and like you know punk shows and things like that and um walking out to from my apartment out to these places sometimes you have to go to these areas and uh i remember being followed <laughs> one time while listening to this record man <laughs> through some i'm like uh, you know but it's that feeling of the juxtaposition of more mortal fear and having to like understand that your life can end or something really bad can happen to you. And um, just like in a moment, you know, like the night started out 
one way and it could have ended a totally different way. Right. Yeah. And, and that just like that, you know, it's funny. I was talking about black metal and darkness and, you know, and like, I think around that's the time when I started thinking about just like how, um, the kind of orthodox idea about a theistic evil being the root of black metal is kind of like not something that I was really that into. Like I just, that's when I started thinking more just about, you know, darkness and violence and, you know, death and just the abyss and that sort of stuff, you know, and emptiness as being the approach that I would be taking with, uh, with black metal. Right. And I, you know, like, it's funny cause I lived downtown for a while and, uh, uh, you know, like going, and it kind of went from living like literally in the woods, like in this, like, in, like isolated forest type of thing to pretty much directly to living like in the middle of the heart of downtown, working downtown, you know, like dealing with all that entails of, you know, and, uh, I always felt though that, that the same skills that you learn being being in the forest and nature of paying attention to your environment and being aware and all that kind of stuff are equally the same in the in the in the streets of the city it's it is like an urban jungle literally like because you have to be paying attention you know like uh you know there's people out there that mean you harm you know what i mean like and you gotta if you're aware of of your environment you're less likely to get mugged or something than somebody who's like just like looking down at their phone walking down the street or some shit you know what i mean and yeah no totally you know and i guess that that sort of uh mindset you know like different different types of esoteric ideologies too you know like as far as um you know some people are really into satan some people are into like you know the thelemic sort of ideas of crowley or you know uh pagan you know or they're into Kabbalah or whatever, you know? And it's like, I think that um, on a personal level, it's just more about like, like you and I have talked about the abyss and darkness and emptiness and all this sort of stuff quite a bit. And I think for me, that's always been like, all those things are facets of kind of the one fundamental thing. You yeah. Know? And, and that's kind of like, you know, yeah, the symbolism of Satan looks really cool, and, but do I believe in like a, uh, you know, a theistic embodiment of evil? No, I think that the natural universe itself has like a, a, a chaotic darkness to it, and that's kind of like what the ideology behind a lot of my thoughts about black metal is really about. That you know, and I think, and the reason why it comes up with this particular record is like Blue House Nord. I feel like embodies that feeling you know what you know what i mean yeah blue doll snort is like the embodiment of the abyss and music in my opinion you know what i mean like they're one of those bands like like uh and i mean you could you could kind of point out too that the uh underlying every all the outward manifestations of you know whatever somebody's you know satan if they're doing a satanic direction or or a more just straight esoteric direction or, you know, pagan or whatever. I mean, ultimately everything comes back to the void and the abyss. That's like the, <laughs> that's like the underlying thing. I think that's the underlying thing of black metal as well. Like that's like the un- uniting link between all these different types of energies. You know, it's all comes down to the abyss. And I think when you're talking about the pure expression of that abyssic energy, uh, I mean, Budos Nord are, are really like, I mean, they're like high, probably the, uh, in my opinion, like the, the number one band that creates that energy. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, they're still making great music too, man. Like that record that came out this past year, last year, it was fucking amazing, man. And that's an even more return to that that style, I believe. You know. Yeah, I was not a big fan of hallucinogen, like, and that's mostly because um, uh, I just can't take anything seriously that has like a mushroom on the cover of it. Yeah, personally, no, no, I hear, I hear you, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, and I've had, I, I, I personally like, I don't care if people do or whatever. They like, I've had a lot of bad experiences with pushy people trying to like push like mushrooms and hallucinogens on you you know what i mean and i'm just like <laughs> i don't have a lot of patience for for that so it kind of turned me off that album because i just i'm not about that you know what i mean so it's like uh musically it's not bad but i did feel like it just wasn't the- thematically and the vibe of it wasn't really what i wanted from blue Dallas nord so i was really happy with disharmonium that it was like a return to Return to the Abyss, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah, man. The first time I heard, like when I when they started releasing material, like they started, you know, um, having singles coming out, um, you know, right away I started listening to it. And I was like, man, this, like I felt like I was in hell or something listening to it. It was just like this hellish, dark, fucking pit that you descend into, you know. And I was like, man, this is like a way different vibe than the other stuff that they've done recently, you know yeah definitely and i mean he's always been those artists who has like you know he's primarily in the past going between you know the kind of memoir of astuta like kind of pagan side of things i guess and like this kind of abyssic black metal but yeah like um i'm always i generally i mean i like his other stuff but i'm i'm pretty much like i like his abyssic evil black metal stuff that's what i like you know <laughs> yeah no totally um yeah so my, my number one is funeral mist uh salvation oh, hell yeah so yeah like um i mean this album is one of my favorite black metal albums of all time like i think that salvation 2 was like one of those albums that really kind of came out like a nuclear bomb and and you know i think it came out like 2002 2003 and it was one of those albums i think really did help kick off this whole resurgence of black metal in that time you know what i mean it's one of those ones because just so many people it, w- it made such a huge impact on them like everything like the the aesthetic the lyrical content the the music um i just think it was like it's one of those like a really important album in general and for me it's like one of, one of my favorite albums like i feel like funeral mist managed to uh have that do the kind of meeting voice between this kind of like in- insane, intense, like um, aggressive type of feeling, but then also like great atmosphere. You know what I mean? Like lots of like samples and kind of like cool, like um, uh, like atmospherics, but then it's like harsh black metal at the same time. You know what I mean? I just think that it's like a perfect like um, uh, melting point between these two things. You know what I mean? Yeah, like Funeral Mist, you know, they, they're, the music of Funeral Mist, it, it keeps getting better and better, you know? I mean, yeah. I think, like, even though, you know, the record that came out in 2021 was, was insane. Yeah, I think Deiform is, um, I mean, although Salvation has, like, a really, and, and um, Devilry have are probably my favorites up to then, it's hard. I mean, Deiform, like, really, like, is could be, could be i think the best one you know what i mean on some levels i mean salvation might be the one that i have a, a real attachment to it um but i mean deiform i think might 
I mean, Cat, you know, like objectively and in a lot of ways, I think it probably is his best album. You know, like the production, the sound, the riffs, like that's a perfect album. You know, well, from the thing beginning is, to too, man, is um, yeah, the, the thing is about that the form record too is like I, it came out so late in the fucking year, man. I remember like Jackie and I did our uh, 2021 best of. Uh, episode for uh, Into the Necrosphere, and that was the record was not on my list because it I hadn't even really listened to it at because it came out like so late in the year, right? Yeah, and I was it's it snuck right by me, and then like as the as the following year went on, I was realizing how uh, how much I fucked up by not like really embracing it from the minute it came out because it came out like at the fucking last day of the year or something like that, if I remember. Yeah, it was like pretty close to the end and uh like the last week or something. Yeah, I mean when it came out, the day it came out, I listened to it like fucking four times in a row. <laughs> I just played it on repeat. I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't even know it came out. Like when it came out, I found out I found out about it like I don't, way late in the game, man. And I was like, damn, I can't believe I fucking slept on this record, man. Yeah, like um it's yeah, it's a great album and and I think the thing that's cool about Funeral Miss too, and that's on the form album in particular uh, and on salvation is and also Marantras that it's like um he's he's kind of like with Gorgoroth where I said you know like it's like ripping like fucking very harsh black metal but and at the same time he adds these little like avant-garde elements to it that you can tell like okay he's like you know obviously like particularly on like deiform that one had like certain parts that reminded me of non kind of you sure, know absolutely man that's that's what i picked up on too yeah you know, there's like this very very like um you know like old school industrial like vibe to it you know what i mean yeah and i i think that even on salvation you have like elements of that you know like here and there and uh and you know like um particularly like the last song on on salvation is just a fucking a masterpiece and i guess the music from it um you know i have like a lot of samples at the end of, of it um is from this movie called the phantom carriage which is like a really famous uh swedish silent film like uh, a horror film which um i want to check out i haven't actually seen it yet but i heard that that's where that sample came from and it also has samples from like um the seventh seal and stuff like that you know and I just think, um, yeah, he's just a fucking. I mean, he's just a beast with songwriting too. I mean, this is a, it's a amazing songwriting that he does, where it's just like catchy, but then it's also aggressive and in your face and but and atmospheric all at the same time. You know, I mean, it's crazy. I love that. That's what I. That's what I like. I love for like when it comes to like more like pure black metal. That's kind of like you know. That's what I. That's like what I like the most. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, I mean, in a way, I don't even really see it as pure black metal because it has like all this, this other, these other, this other energy in it. You know what I mean? It's not just like you know, like Dark Throne or something like that. Right. Yeah. But I mean, like, uh, you know, because there's some bands that do a lot of different stuff that I I kind of consider like in their own field, where you know, Funeral is still pretty pretty solidly in his feet in black metal. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I just, uh, I think Salvation is a important album, and yeah, it's one that that uh, I go back to all the time. You know, can't I don't know how many times I've listened to this album. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, since yeah, I mean, yeah, it, 
Yeah, it, the, the entire catalog by, of of um, Funeral Mist is is definitely incredible. Yeah, and it was, and that's part of what made it so cool when he joined Marduk and right as his, you know, and and I also re really love his Triumphator album. I have, I have that one as well. I got that one back in the day. The Wings of Antichrist, I think it's called. That's a sick album as well. You know, he's I, haven't just, heard, I, I haven't heard that one actually. I should check. Oh, really? Out. Yeah, I'll just send that one to you. Like that's a that's a great fucking album. It's like um uh, a little bit more um aggressive than even Funeral Mist. Like it's maybe uh, a little bit more on the Marduk side. So I could see where Morgan was like, Yeah, let's bring this guy in. Like he's like you know what I mean? Like it's like a perfect melding of two two minds with, with that, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's the kind of top ten. I mean, I think it too with these kind of lists is that for the most part, this is pretty definitive, like albums that I go back to that really hit a hit a mark. But I mean, you know, sometimes maybe the uh, the order or something is different depending on your mood. You know what I mean? But yeah, you know, and once again, this is all personal shit, man. I'm sure like someone's listening to this right now and uh, is like, uh, you're you're you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like this band needs to be on your list or whatever. But I'm like, this is my this is my list. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean. It's not for anyone else but me, really, you know. Yeah, you know, we're just kind of sharing our lists, like, and uh, you know, hopefully people check out some of the stuff. And yeah, I have um some like honorable mentions as well. And um, well, I'll start that off with um, a couple of the albums that was like vying for the for that could have easily been on the on my top ten, and um. One of them is uh, Celestial Bloodshed with Curse, Scarred, and Forever Possessed. And um, that that's a big part of that is too because uh, Celestial Bloodshed is what kicked off the whole Nidrosian black metal scene in Norway. Um, it was kind of the Ur group that created like Chaos Ritual and um, Mare and all these great bands that come out of, of uh, Trondheim in Norway, you know. Um, and of course, kind of the, the label territory possessions was like very connected with them, and you know bands like Hordem Rife and you know Darvaza and so many great bands have kind of um, come out of that scene. And I remember getting this album um, to review back in the day when it came out, because um, I used to do write reviews for a, a metal uh, kind of. Met. It was like we had we did. Um, uh, it's called Transcending the Mundane, and they did like a, a print version, but it was mostly a website, you know? Right. And uh, this one of the ones that I got, I can review, and um, blew me away back then. Still one that I turn back to all the time. And and yeah, just uh, it's also kind of one of the ones I mentioned, just to like uh, shout out to all the uh, all the Nidorosian bands. Well, though, I feel like those bands came more to prominence a little bit later in the 2010 2020 but this was like the seed of that you know what i mean right on um then i got archgoat uh light devouring darkness i'm a huge archgoat fan they're one of my they're definitely one of my favorite bands and um this one is my favorite album and one of those ones that really had a big impact on me when i heard it back in the in the i don't know probably heard, heard it like 2008 or something you know and the kind of way that it mixes like death metal and and uh type of feeling but it's still black metal you know what i mean like it's it's kind of managing to balance that you know um and then i got craft uh oh ah, yeah craft is a hard one to pick between 
their first three albums are all sick. But I picked Terror Propaganda because that's uh, always been one of my favorite albums by them. Yeah, that, they're great, man. Fuck the Universe. That was awesome, too. Yeah, fuck the Universe. Total, uh, total soul rape. <laughs> total, total soul rape. And it's like they have like this real like kind of rock and roll like without being... It's like the the riffs are they're almost like helicopter riffs or something like that. You know what I mean? On, especially on "Fuck the Universe." Yeah, they're really and, catchy. They're, yeah, yeah, and it's like, but it's evil as fuck. You know what I mean? Yeah, and they're if you want to like look at like a band that's anti-human, anti-life, like Craft is your Craft is your band. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, absolutely, they're, man. They're a great band. Like I love them so much. Um, there, there's there's a lyric I want to commit murder. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, I want to commit murder. It's yeah. like that's like the fucking best line ever, man. <laughs> yeah, that's on um, void. I, I think right. Yeah, I think it's void. Yeah, I think I wanna, it's on void. Yeah, yeah, that's a great line. I want to commit murder. Like, <laughs> perfectly. Like, <laughs> uh, one song on terror propaganda, which I love, is called. It's like NDP, but it's actually like nearly dead parasites in the. <laughs> The lyrics are so funny. It's like describing the smell and the stench. He's like, that's the smell of humans. They're just nearly dead parasites or something like that. Hell yeah, <laughs> so, man. Yeah. So fucking hateful. I love it. <laughs> um, uh, continuing from Archgoat, I'd like, just quickly shout out Proclamation of Execration of Cruel Bestiality and uh, Tate and Blood with Seven Chalices, I think, in their first album. They're kind of connected bands with so the same guys in them and... Uh, or at least they had the same band guys and both like really great for that kind of bestial black metal stuff, you know, which I'm sure. a big fan of, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Execration is my favorite proclamation album and it just has the fucking most disgusting sounding production. Like the drums just sound like they're there's like, dun, dun, dun. it's so great, you know, <laughs> big into, big into that. Um, let's see. Uh, one album that I think some people, I, I mean, I feel like is underrated is Satyricon, Rebel Extravaganza. Yeah, it, it that that's a solid record, man. Um, but I agree with you. A lot, that band is kind of like uh, like underrated when it comes to like like people want to talk about like you know definitive black metal. Yeah, yeah, because Satyricon mostly get mentioned for their first three albums, you know. And I thought Rebel Extravaganza and Volcano and stuff are pretty good, you know. Yeah. Rebel Extravaganza is real cool, like harsh, like kind of feeling of a little bit of industrial coming in. Um, and a, a band that's really important that that almost made a list is Deathfall Omega. And um, I had a hard time. For me, probably Inquisitors of Satan is my favorite, but I think that maybe um, Sea Monumentum is the album that probably is more like important in the grand scheme of things. You know what I mean? Right. Because that's the album that like. Uh, really i guess like i don't know i mean that was another one of his albums like uh funeral mess with salvation that really um kind of opened the door i mean that's such such an, an influential important album for a lot of people you know what i mean well that's see monument monumentum record is the first one i heard by them and that was i remember there's a group of bands i discovered around the same time and like what what team is like around that period too for me um, yeah like 2007 2008 or whatever and yeah so that that's like kind of like the the record to put him on the map i think in a national level you know yeah i think uh c monumentum was the album that put him on the map and and uh 
it's a great fucking album and uh uh yeah it was is it, it could have equally been on the list uh, and sometimes it might have been but um yeah i, I feel like it, it, i really like one thing is that i really like older uh dso a lot like that era because um it has like a feeling that um still like a little bit more rooted in black metal like i'm really really huge fan of my favorite era of dso is inquisitors of satan then they got the two manifestations albums which collect all their splits from that time and right. then uh sea monumentum like for me that's my favorite era of, of despo omega because it still has the black metal feeling but it's just got really like this it's got this feeling where it's like pushing stuff forward but it's still kind of rooted more in black metal where you know from Foss and all the stuff on they kind of went off in more of a death metal direction i would say you know what i mean right i agree with that yeah yeah um yeah uh let's see because uh, my next uh well one band we are talking about is drudka like forgotten legends definitely on the list of things to shout out um but then continuing in the a uh, whole like that orthodox black metal scene from that time um, will be Catharsis of Crucifixion. Uh, Crucifixion is uh, just a fucking masterful album of this kind of. It feels like it's like it's like a uh, progressing like the kind of under the funeral moon type of production, but in this like more thrashy kind of like direction with long songs and amazing kind of catacombs feeling. You know what I mean? Right. So, I love that catharsis album and all their stuff is great. Like world without end is another great album. Um, and, uh, um, their last one, uh, uh, fourth Reich. It's a good one. Um, then, uh, like the, then we got, um, Sargeist, uh, Sargeist are band that I feel like got, I like their newer stuff better personally, but, uh, I needed to shout out satanic black devotion, like, because, uh for a lot of people that i know that was a big important album for and that was like the one that introduced like i feel like because it came out moribund and everything like it had a wide distribution and i think it was on his albums really uh uh introduced a lot of people and and including myself to that kind of sound of like what well, I made mean, yeah like myself like to stuff like mutilation and that black legion stuff because satanic black devotion really is like it's the, designed to be like a tribute album to all that stuff from the 90s you know what i mean so it has like kind of riffs that sound like these different bands and and by re reading the interviews with them you start like learning about all these other bands that to check out you know and so it was one of those ones i feel like star guys really developed grew their own sound and like um their later stuff that came out like uh feeding the crawling shadows that's like my favorite by them you know yeah definitely i mean i prefer their later material too actually yeah, like Feeding Crawling Shadows and then um uh I'm blanking on the name of their last album. I'm blanking on it, but their last album I think is sick. They got the singer from Desolate Shrine and it's just it's fucking great. Uh they got um Anteus with uh Blood Libels, Libels, Blood Libels. Oh yeah, yeah. That 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 was probably the first record I heard by them. Yeah, I had heard them before because I heard their album before that has like uh, Blood War Three or whatever. I saw that mm -hmm. video for that that song and everything. Became a big fan of theirs from there. And Blood when Blood Libels came out, I mean that was like, yeah, it's another fucking masterpiece, you know. Like, 
and they're fucking in, intense <laughs> with the blasting and shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah, very very like relentless drumming on in that band for sure. Yeah, it's relentless. That's a good term for it. And um, encountered with that, I would what we talked about earlier with Aosoth, um, the Aosoth album Ashes of Angels is uh, definitely uh, needs to be called out. You know what I mean? Um. Uh, let's see. Uh, I do want to ca- shout out Watain, and for me, it's Cassus Luciferi. You know, that's yeah, my that's favorite. a lot. Of, that that's uh, for me. It's sworn. For honestly, I love that record too. But Sworn to the Dark is just. I think that came out like two thousand seven or eight or nine or something like that. Like somewhere in that first ten years, and uh, that that record for me was like the real. That's what really got me interested in the band. I thought that record was real catchy. Yeah, Sworn to Dark is definitely the more catchy album uh, between the two. But uh, yeah, for me, it was yeah, always, yeah, for me, Cassis Lucifer was the one that um, that really got me into them. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I mean, that's a great record, too, obviously, but you know. Yeah. References. Yeah, the. Um, let's see. Uh, um. Trying to think. Uh, okay, so then Zastra, we were talking about Zastra. They're not obviously not on my top ten, but it, I do want to uh, um, do honorable mention for "To Violate the Oblivious." That's so. That's the one that I that I um. I don't know. It's hard for me to say like what's what I think is the best uh, best album from um, from Zaster, but it's either "To Violate the Oblivious" or "Telepathic with the Deceased." Those are probably my two favorites. So. But I think to violate the oblivious has like the best like um I guess you could say like the best production and, and overall feeling, you know? And I remember one time I um I remember one time like going to sleep listening to this album and waking and uh like uh giving like nightmares, you know, like, and I was like hearing yeah, like, all these no, voices totally. in it and shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. My, the reason why I didn't have Zaster in my list is because though I do enjoy the music, I feel like every record sounds pretty much the same, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's he, a very, this very like pretty much like one thing you get with that band and that's cool. It's a cool thing, you know, but it's not top 10 for me. You know what I mean? Me neither. And yeah, like, uh, yeah, he, I, what he does, he does well, but it's definitely one note, you know. But yeah, subliminal genocide, violate oblivious, telepathic deceased, like those are the ones to check out from him. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, it's a good thing that he does. It's just that it's like uh, the bands that I put in my list, I feel like are a little bit a cut above, you know, your typical disaster. You know? Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> he's not. He's definitely not in my top list at all. Um, uh let's see one album now on shout we talked about um um fucking uh Auclis, but yeah like nightbringer of death and the black work when that came out back in uh the mid 2000s or whatever was um that was like uh pretty cool you know like they're like cool to hear like a band from colorado making the, the album and i think i don't think it's like the best thing from nightbringer or the best or you know it's far from being the best thing that nas has made but i feel like it's still a really good important album you know yeah i feel like that record um aaron turner told me about them actually back uh like when 
like back in like 2009, 2008, somewhere around there, 2010. Yeah, I think that's when we, we yeah, we did we did a bunch of tours with ISIS and um Aaron Aaron I think told me about Nightbringer and that's how I got familiar with that band. Yeah, it's a cool album. I mean, it's good. It's like kind of it's a good start for for a career, you know, his career that he's had. And um uh uh Tauke, uh Natastid, his first album like um talke talk yeah, i don't know how you suppose i supposed to be talke talke toka toke yeah talke yeah i think because it's like an ao sound but yeah the um again a band who started in the 90s with his his uh thule band and and never really released anything in the 90s and you know hit the early 2000s and released you know his first three albums i mean are masterpieces you know what i mean absolutely man I mean, they're, they're a great band and uh got a chance to see them a number of years ago in uh, new york and uh and then they have they've never been back since <laughs> no they they keep getting their their tours canceled for idiotic reasons <laughs> yeah. yeah one of one of them was us supporting them unfortunately and that got canceled so oh really <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's fucking annoying that whole thing with him like he does one thing wrong like 20 years ago and he keeps having his fucking tours canceled it's ridiculous yeah uh yeah i hate i just find it uh ridiculous because because well, the funny thing about it is the tour before everyone decided that you know there was problems with those guys i remember that was like that tour was like co-sponsored by like brooklyn vegan or something like that like this whatever whoever whoever the, the site that oh no no metal sucks metal sucks was the co-sponsor of the tour that they did like before are you serious <laughs> dude i am 100 percent on that and what the fuck yeah and then like a couple of years later they decide like oh well you know now now it's really cool to like single people out on ancient shit so let's let's do that you know yeah it's it's, it's ridiculous and uh one band that i think did better stuff later but their album uh horna like their album and Envat Negs or whatever F was that was the first one I heard and I think it was their first good album that came out then. That's one I wanted to mention. But they also got hit by that whole bullshit as well. Like their tour got cancelled for or not well, they didn't get cancelled. They still came and they, they fucking managed they played like a secret show in Denver because all these fucking people were attacking them and it was ridiculous because it was like um I remember watching that shit go down and I was like so annoyed because like the fucking metal sucks article was a, was a bunch of bullshit basically, you know? And, and all, and these people didn't even read the article. Cause all they, all they saw was the headline and yeah. like, Oh, the headline says they're Nazis. That means they're Nazis. You know what I mean? And it was just, a, it was ridiculous, dude. I saw Horna play on Staten Island. Actually, <laughs> it was like, me, me and uh me and mike actually from you know necromaniacs we um drove out to staten island the show had been moved originally it was supposed to take place in clifton new jersey and for whatever reason it got moved to some sports bar in uh bayonne new jersey um uh, sorry <laughs> not bayonne, not bayonne no no it was staten island it was, or was it bayonne or staten island i think it was in bayonne actually yeah which is kind of like staten island it's like right on the same landmass, basically right and uh, i remember me and mike drove out there and uh it was like the most surreal thing because there was like 
TVs and stuff with the game on and everything, and all these like black metal bands were playing. And uh, <laughs> the there was a lot of bands on the bill. I remember that, and they went on at like one o'clock in the morning, and there was like um, no stage, so it was all it was like very much like going to see like a DIY like hardcore show, right? Like some, some random spot. And I the funniest thing is I remember is back when I still owned owned a van. Me and Mike drove up in the van. And we, we parked in front of a, a Dunkin' Donuts and we looked in there and there was like these like black metal dudes like with coarse paint on, like getting coffee and donuts, like in this <laughs> com- totally like suburban setting. Right. And I was like, man, that's so I wish I had a camera, you know, but but they uh Hornet were fucking incredible, dude. And like as soon as they walked into the venue, it this place just smelled like dead animals. There was like <laughs> blood like probably for the entire tour they probably wore the same clothes with the same blood on it and it was just the whole room just stunk and uh and they were just they were fucking amazing man it's killer yeah the horna fucking great band and um uh shot rug the guitarist i mean he's a he's like a metal god particularly nowadays i mean when it comes to black metal he just fucking everything he does is great you know what i mean like he does he has all these projects and they're all different and they're all like great bands and stuff you know yeah yeah it was um yeah it was such a that was a very memorable evening man seeing them play there in this random sports bar it's pretty know? surreal <laughs> yeah uh yeah it was just the guy that he was the singer it wasn't the guy he was the guy before the dude they had towards the end um i can't remember the dude's name but he was literally drinking vodka out of the bottle while they were performing so, <laughs> so it was like this very murder junkies like gg allen like vibe like i remember when they when they were setting up they weren't playing any music or anything like that like there was no house music going on they uh-huh. were just like quiet and people talking and these weird fucking dudes wearing corpse paint and just smelling <laughs> setting up all their gear and then they just played and that was and that was it right yeah. It's, it's kind of the thing like bands can sometimes just like trans you know they just live they're living that so it's just real you know what i mean <laughs> yeah for and, real and, and once again it, it felt like like watch when they were playing it felt like you were in danger too you know what i mean it was it was, it was great yeah that's what you want with black metal right you want to yeah you need that you vibe. in danger yeah 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 that's what you need one band that kind of has that as uh, Carpathian Forest too. Their one is oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah, totally, man. I've never seen them, but I've I, I, I've in my imagination they're similar, you know. Yeah, I've never seen them either, but yeah, I mean, and uh, I think in early two thousands too, like I kind of put down for them like uh, defending the throne of evil, but because I think it's like um, the all around best album from the early two thousands stuff. Because my favorite album by them is Black Shining Leather, which I think came yeah. out on like ninety nine or something, but right. You know, they did Strange Old Brew, Morbid Fascination and Death. And I think Defending Throne of Evil is a real like underrated album, you know. I don't know if you listen to that much. Yeah, and you know, once again, they're they're like I've always felt like black metal and like the murder junkies and Gigi Allen are all they're like very close in spirit at times, you know, and like Carpathian Forest is a band that uh approaches that, you know, just like that nihilistic excessive decadent sort of trip you know yeah definitely uh, they're like they're like the uh, poster boys for that kind of that kind of thing in black metal 
Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, then I just have a couple, two, but three more. It's um, are you familiar with the band Instilla from Germany? Yeah, yeah. yeah I I never knew how to pronounce their name the right way, but yeah. <laughs> I think it's Instilla. I don't know, but I have yeah. their album uh, Navigator. That was the first one I heard, and and uh, to this day, it's one of my favorite albums. Like when you want that World War One, World War Two type of black metal vibe, I think they do it the best out of almost anybody. You know what I mean? Yeah, the black the Black Anvil dudes turn me on to them. Like we used to, um, when Rafe, the drummer, still lived in Brooklyn, and I still lived in Brooklyn. We used to get together on Saturday nights and watch fights, and uh, we would watch the fights with the commentary off and just listen to music. And that's one of the records. Like we would play that. We watch dudes beat each other up and stuff. That's a, probably a good com- uh, soundtrack <laughs> to that because <laughs> it's yeah. pretty fucking. Uh, yeah, they just like. Again, they're one of those bands that I think kind of also took a little bit of that same type of vibe we got from late, you know later Gorgoroth, where it's got this kind of abstract intensity to it, you know, and they don't, not not a second's wasted, and it's just it's so fucking intense, you know what I mean? Yeah, I love it. Um, one band that I want I have on here is a uh, American band that I feel like need to be more well known, and this band is called Safteran. And, totally, unfam- totally unfamiliar with them. Yeah, they're pretty uh, uh, obscure. Um, they have uh, my favorite album by them is probably the first one, which is called In Hatred. Although their last album he did was called The Wanderer, and that's a pretty sick album. That's the only one that's on Spotify. He has a uh, one's called The Wanderer, and it has an EP called Call of the Wolf. Oh, cool! And uh, and his stuff is just this feral, wild like type of feeling throughout all of it, like. A lot of his stuff is about like the death of humanity and like the wild taking over and stuff like that. And, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, like this real dark feeling and and um, desolate, like but evil and feral feeling. And uh, I think he's from, I think he's from Kentucky or something. But um, when it came to like some of his one man bands, he did a split with Leviathan back in the day. Yeah. Uh, well. Okay. Yeah. I, I I probably the name I probably have seen that name around if there was a split with Leviathan. But I, yeah. I don't actually have the only I have like the collection of those splits. I only have like the Leviathan side of those things. Yeah, I have um, I have that one and I have the one of Zaster, but I don't have like all the Leviathan splits either. But yeah, I have yeah. that one and Zaster and I are a great band. And he kind of just he kind of just uh, released his last album, The Wander, and kind of disappeared. I don't know if he's um, still out there, but I mean, I hope he makes more music. But um, I've always been a big, big fan and supporter of of his of his stuff you know right uh and then another a band from you ukraine that i want to shout out is luda missile uh i don't i never heard of those guys either yes l-u-t-o-m-y-s-l and uh if you you they have an album called inquintessence which is my uh, my favorites and i love their newer stuff too uh, I definitely have to send them to you. I mean, they're, it, they're fucking really great. They're like, I think the uh, for me when it comes to Ukrainian black metal, it's pretty much you know Roman stuff, and then this band Luda Missile. Like those are my favorites. Yeah, send it, man. It yeah, sounds, if I'm into it, I definitely. I like a lot of stuff from, like I said, Eastern European, like Ukrainian stuff in particular. Yeah, his stuff has um, it's different. Like it's more a little bit more urban feeling, a little bit more uh just like dark and philo- philosophic and nihilistic and stuff and it's very uh intense music and stuff like um it's really really good i uh 
um they're one is artist he's like one of those artists that i have backed since since um since then since like early 2000s i got all his stuff up to that point on tape and i have a lot of it on cd now too and um yeah basically ever since 2005 or whatever when i heard about him i've been listening to him and supporting him and uh um and his music had a pretty big impact on me back then so you know i feel, figured to shout that out as well there's like one band that it's like i i want them to be a black metal band but they're definitely a death metal band but they stay <laughs> it's uh but they they have like that that evil nihilistic spirit is uh grave miasma i don't know if you ever heard of them yeah i'm a big fan of grave miasma yeah yeah i mean they, they started in 2009 and um i saw them play actually here in the states like they there was a guy that was putting on these um he had a production company called signature riff and i forgot i don't know the guy personally but some friends of mine know him he's like this this dude who was like he put on this yearly festival called martyr doom fest uh, and it was uh two nights uh different venues each year and uh one year he had grave miasma and dead congregation were the headliners oh yeah and, that's like that's like the do death doom death doom like combo right there <laughs> yeah totally and both of those bands to me are like adjacent to black metal you know yeah, I, mean? I would agree like very, very much so, especially Grave Miasma. And ever since I saw them play, I've been eagerly awaiting their return at some point. But you know, I don't know. I don't know if they're ever coming back. Well, their their last album, I think, had a lot more black metal in it as well. Yeah, the last the last record did. But the one the one that hooks me in and I, my go to record by them is uh, Odorous uh, Sepulchrum. Yeah, that's a great album. Yeah, and particularly there's that song Seven Coils. That um that song is like my go-to. Yeah. Well, I think uh Grave Miasma is one of those bands kind of like how Incantation or Immolation crossover with black metal. It's like yeah. the the vibe of what they're doing. You know, like there's that death metal side of death metal that is basically black metal like and spirit you know on a spiritual level you got like morbid angel incantation immolation etc like even dsi to a certain extent where it's like yeah they're death metal but but on some level they have more in common with black metal than they do with other death metal bands you know what i mean yeah well, especially the dave vincent version of um you know of uh morbid angel you know like the altars of madness blessed are the sick like that that style because dave vincent was into like the occult and satanism and stuff like that you know yeah and i mean those albums that era i mean and i think abominations of desolation the kind of um you know like the, the original album you know that they recorded yeah with uh with mike uh, uh what's mike, his name uh browning uh, mike browning yeah browning yeah on, on drums and vocals that sounds basically to me it sounds like a black metal album like it's like a first wave black metal album you know what i mean and so i feel like a lot of you know their stuff particularly those first two albums are very like bordering on black metal in my opinion and that's why i mean there's so many fucking bands that black metal bands that cite morbid angel as a huge influence you know what i mean oh yeah i mean definitely man i mean that and that's more of the black the more of the death metal i like is like the kind of more you know atmospheric like more evil you know with like uh some sort of ideology attached to it like that you know yeah and you know 
incantation immolation i mean you're talking about aosoth and and stuff like that um i know that mk from um aosoth and anteus you know vocalist uh he said he said that the biggest inf influence the things he listens to the most is incantation and immolation you know and oh yeah yeah definitely man i could see that for sure and i think that a lot of this black metal that we've kind of talked about a lot of bands we talked about they they have that particularly i think um that kind of came more in the 2000s and really came to dominance in the, from 2010 to 2020 is this kind of influence of like immolation and this kind of stuff in the black metal you know what i mean well i mean you know being being a, a tri-state area new york new jersey native uh new york native actually the uh you know immolation incantation mortician like all those bands were like super super influential on the stuff that for me personally you know what i mean like those you know i know mortician's like I, personally i think mortician has been like a huge influence too man like you yeah know, though they are a little campy with the horror stuff but there's just something real about that band dude honestly it's especially live you know yeah i love, I love mortician one thing i really love is that ep they did with the drummer like their original oh, yeah. drummer who died you know yeah. and uh that ep is sick and you know like the uh roots of mortician and incantation are like right there i mean like the first version of incantation had paul ledney from profanatica you know right and then they kind of they kind of had a falling out and paul went to do uh profanatica and um john mcnee mcnee from you know he he got will from mortician on to do vocals and stuff and john played guitar for uh, mortician in the early days and there's videos that you can see on youtube of like John from Incantation playing guitar for uh, Mortician, and there's vid and there's also videos where Mortit Will's doing the vocals for Incantation. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, totally, man. It's what's cool. It's like I it it was like a long period of time which I hadn't seen Mortician, and then I saw them twice, like in one year. Like they played um, out in Brooklyn at this place called the St. Mark's Hotel, which is oddly enough in in Bushwick, not in Manhattan. <laughs> that uh and and uh it was like this diy diy space and they played and it was it fucking killed it and then there was this new york show with immolation uh uh I'm blanking on who else was on the bill but it was like a straight up like new york city like 90s bill mortician was on that bill too and um hell um oh fuck black anvil played that uh, this band called Funeral Leech was on that, and it was just it's twice in one year I saw Mortician play, and I hadn't seen him in like maybe ten years prior to that. Yeah, I love Mortician, like the caveman death metal, and one thing that um like Will like Rammer's vocals. I mean, he was one of the guys who created the death growl and that that type of style. You know, I mean that real low death growl sound. I mean, a lot of people don't realize. Yeah. I mean, Mortician f formed like. What was like eighty eight or eighty nine or some shit? You know, like they're like one yeah. of the first. You know, yeah, they're they're definitely like like prototypical death metal band for sure. I think they're really underrated and and like overlooked. And when people talk about the history of death metal, and um, a lot of the guys, I I mean, I watched a lot like tons of interviews with like John from Incantation and stuff, and he's always talking about how 
how important mortician was you know what i mean how important like mortician was to the development of of death metal in new york you know what i mean demolition hammer that was the other band that was on that bill that i saw oh cool yeah, yeah it was demolition hammer uh in uh immolation mortician black anvil uh funeral leech at irving plaza incredible that's sick it's kind of like old school like new york death metal like lineup there <laughs> Pretty much, pretty much, especially you know with those last three bands, definitely. Yeah, the um, yeah, I, I love I like personally, I mean, I like more, I love Morbid Angel, but for me, like my favorite death metal scene in the states is the New York scene. You know, like as far as like that era, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm always gonna like side with you know New York City, you know, tri-state area bands, just because I that's the kind of stuff that resonates with me, you know? And, um, you know, Morbid Angel is an honorary tri-state band in some ways because, uh, <laughs> Eric Rutan is from New Jersey and you know what I mean? And, um, so they get, they get a pass, you know what I mean? As far as not being from New York and, uh, Cannibal Corpse is from Buffalo. So there you yeah, go. There, that's the thing when people lump Cannibal Corpse into the, uh, Florida, thing and i'm like yeah they might have recorded more sound but they're from buffalo you know what yeah, I mean? that's yeah, where they got exactly. their start <laughs> and when and when you talk to those dudes you know you can tell you tell that they're from buffalo they got that that weird upstate new york like twang you know what i mean yeah definitely like they got that they got that uh new york accent and uh, upstate well it, accent. it's almost like up, up there it's almost like a canadian accent it's weird you know when you get that like that upstate way upstate accent it's like a canadian weird twang you know so, yeah it's like it's like it's like its own thing for sure like you can always tell when somebody's from up there <laughs> yeah you know with all due respect you know what i mean <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's yeah it's their own thing i mean like uh, i remember watching that um kind of of course the documentary that's like four oh, hours or whatever dude, yeah that i have i have that on dvd man i fucking love that documentary man yeah that's like a it's like a, a documentary done right like as far as like music, you know. Quick aside about that doc. When Mike, uh, you know, my my partner over at Necromaniacs, uh, when he had when he had the comic book store, Brooklyn Monster Factory, I remember just on a whim, I stopped by on a Saturday because I usually would go there on um, Wednesday. You know, it's like the day the comics come out. You know what I mean? So I would go there Wednesday night, and it would just be this like, like hangout with like. Like I would, I would show up after work and I would stay for three hours and the same people would come through, you know, like Luke Kohler would come through from sick of it all. And like all these people, like these friends would stop in, buy their comics and we just talk for like three hours and when it closed, right. then I'd go home. So on a random Saturday, I just stopped by it. I know that's the night, that's a day that it's usually quiet in the afternoon. And like Mike was playing, he's like, Oh, I just got this, uh, cannibal corpse documentary you know on dvd so we put it in and i stayed there for like four hours or something in the store and like sat down and like watched the documentary like in the store with mike you know then i ended up buying it like a couple of years later right yeah i think that's like the you know i wish more bands more bands did like documentaries like that you know like i would love to see some black metal bands do some really in-depth documentaries like that you know yeah, the thing is, I feel like black metal bands like they want they want to stay like in this mysterious like light, you know. And I feel like death metal bands are a little bit more like 
you know, comfortable, like talking about the band and things like that, you know? Yeah, definitely. But, you know, it's like, I just would like to see more like kind of stuff like that about black metal. Cause it's like, there's not, well, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm interested in it. So that's why I'd like to see it too. You know? Yeah. Like black metal. Um, you know, I, I like that one, um, uh, uh, Norwegian, uh, that was like called Helvete or whatever. Right. Yeah. I saw that on YouTube actually. Yeah, I watched it on YouTube as well because for a little, uh, it had like the, the subtitled version of it, and uh, I I thought the documentary was very really cool, but I felt like you could tell that they, uh, particularly when it got to the newer era of black metal, it kind of like kind of fate folded, you know, like they only had like like they had interviews obviously with people like Bjorn from, you know, the Trondheim scene and stuff like that, and they only like used it like once or twice like but you, so i'm like man you could have done a lot more with the current state of norwegian black metal rather you know they went in all this detail with like the first five years and then it just kind of like got a little iffy as it went on you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah i mean I, I don't think there's ever been a really good documentary i mean i think there are things i liked about until the light takes us but in general i just i just think it was a poorly done on a movie like on a technical level like the documentary was just i don't think it was well executed but the um they had some really great pieces of interview with uh varg and fenris but i feel like they didn't ask the question they didn't ask the interesting follow-up questions on that you know what i mean yeah i would agree that one like I mean, and it also kind of loses steam as it goes on. Like the last part of it, like I don't give a fuck about some that harmony, whatever dude, like doing like black metal clowning. I don't give a yeah. fuck about no. that uh, kind of idiotic, um, the pretent pretentious Norwegian artist doing like you know like his black metal exhibits and stuff. You know what I mean? Like it felt like very that guy felt very pretentious. You know. Yeah, that should have been edited out. They should have just focused on like Varg and and Fenris and their friendship and the fact that they hadn't seen each other all that time and they were like both sides of the you know what I mean? Like that would have been a movie in and of itself. And they should have just focused on that and everything else should have been cut out. Yeah. I mean they did have like a if like I have the the DVD and it has like the whole second disc or whatever that has like all the full interviews with like everybody, like um the guys from Immortal and you know all these different people, right? And I mean they got some cool interviews with with those guys or the guy for, or like Hellhammer and stuff like that. Like, um, you know they could have used maybe more of that as well. Like kind of mixed in with the stuff of Varg and Fenris and yeah. Oh, so overall it was like, you know, it wasn't terrible. You know, I, I did like some parts of it, but um. Uh yeah, I mean, I I really feel like the last like probably I don't know like the last half an hour or something could have just been cut out like it just was kind of embarrassing you know what I mean? It, it did have one of the coolest like little montages in there. There was like the um the scene with uh they had the intro part to um in the shadow of the horns the dark throne track and where they were like -na 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 -na, and then they show. Uh, Fenris like kind of walking through the streets you know I thought that was like that little segment I thought was really cool right yeah like you're walking through yeah I like that part too yeah one thing that's cool like uh, and they're on YouTube but um, 
they were like the bone these like kind of bonus things on their Dark Throne reissues that came out in the early two thousands and they're like videos that Fenris and Nocturnal Culto did where they were talking about their albums. I don't know if you've seen those. There's no, like I a, haven't. I haven't seen those. I'll just send that to you. Yeah, it's on, there's on YouTube. Somebody did a super cut that has all three. Um, oh wow! And uh, it's cool because they're just like uh, sitting outside of like this cabin out in the fucking woods in Norway. Like and it's like snow everywhere, and they're just sitting outside of it and talking about like the the albums. And um, they'll do like one part where Nocturnal Culto is holding and Fenris is talking and then vice versa. And uh, it's intermixed with scenes that they are like, they recorded like video of them just walking through the woods where with like the music playing. And it's kind of cool. I like, I like those ones. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff where I like just like imagery and, you know, like some, there's some cool stuff like that out there. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah, I just feel like, uh, I watched like all the main, uh, a uh, handful of black metal documentaries and they, uh, I guess what I, Hope you know before like everybody um you know I'd like to see something better come out like in the at some point you know before everybody starts dying or something you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah that's true man you know like, for sure getting that point where all those you know guys are in their fifties you know and stuff and it's like it's a good time to try to get some of the documentation about that era more so you know I agree I agree but yeah. Well, yeah, man, this is awesome. You know, once again, thanks for having me back on. And, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, we need to get you onto Everything Went Black. We talk. I like to talk about just like not so much like a list sort of thing, but like we talk about your your mission here with Soul Knox and then go from there. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. Whenever you, uh, whenever you want to have me on, just let me know. We can schedule oh, it. And, hell yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I mean, obviously we'll, uh, do some more uh, Elder's Tales. It's kind of it's cool though, oh, to have yeah, you yeah. on and and do something different, you know. Yeah, the Elder's Tales stuff. I'm always down for that for sure. Yeah, we'll have to do. We'll do. I mean, I know like we're talking about doing uh, Elric and also uh, Carl Edward Wagner stuff. So you know, the Carl, we'll get, we'll, the we'll Carl get... Edward Wagner stuff, man. Like, there's like that in the Pines. Like, I don't know if you got that uh, in a Lonely Place book. Uh, yeah, there's... I got that one. All right, so I I recommend if if you're into it, covering in the pines. It's a it's like a haunting fucking story, man. So if you want to check that one out, that's definitely something I want to talk about. Yeah, dude. Um, and maybe we can even you know I, I do want to circle back to Elric and something. Maybe we can do that uh, Carl Edward Wagner one next. Yeah, yeah. The El- Elric is on deck, man. I got the book out. It's on my. It's on my uh, coffee table. I'm getting ready to, to d- jump back into it. Right. Yeah. Maybe we can put that one uh, next. And I mean, after I kind of want to talk. I'd like to talk about Carl Wagner next, and then then hit Elric after that. It'd be cool. Hell yeah. All right, uh, man. Cool, dude. Well, have, have a have a good night. You too, dude. Have a good night. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Talk to you later. Bye.